0: Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today, I'm with Becca Switzer of Roof Sales Mastery. How are you doing, Becca?
1: Doing great today, Tim. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. And we are going to skip the 101 today, and we're going to go directly to the meat and potatoes of dealing with roofing sales objections and how to handle them. So before we get into that, if you could give a little bit of background on just one minute we're not doing the deep dive on your background, but just like a little bit of how you got into this and why people should listen to you.
1: For sure. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of people have heard this story before, but just in case you haven't, I basically got into storm restoration when I was like 21 years old. I had dropped out of college after my sophomore year when I was 19 because I was selling Cutco knives and I made so much money my first summer as a 19 year old during direct sales. I was like, I'm not going back to school. I'm really good at sales. And so long story very short I ended up getting recruited into storm restoration in 2010 and I went out to my first storm location in Connecticut and then I went to a couple different places in Pennsylvania and during that time like it was very apparent that there was no sales training like you show up by the guy that recruited you and they're like uh yeah okay uh ride around with Chris here for a few days and then um listen to him knock doors and then here's a stack of contracts if you just knock hundred doors a day you'll figure it out it's a numbers yeah. and I was like what? What? Like I've literally sold everything I own at this point. I'm like, I've, I have no backup plan. Like I have to figure this out. So again, long story, very short there, but I ended up trying to find some roof sales training on the internet and there was none, like there was nothing. And we finally eventually found one very small, like you can't even call it a seminar. It was like a class in a hotel room that had 22 people in it. And that uh, wasn't very good. And I walked away from it just thinking. If people are paying this much money to listen to the quality of content we just got, I have like literally a thousand times more value to offer than, you know, the guy that was running the class. So I created Roof Sales Mastery. I wrote my ebook and I created six different online programs for recruiting salespeople, training salespeople, supplementing insurance claims, using Xactimate and managing a sales team and stuff like that. So that's what I do now. Um, I've been, I launched Roof Sales Mastery back in 2014 and-
0: that's my baby. Awesome. Okay. So amongst these answers to objections and a little bit of just conversation around each of these objection objections, you're going to go through some principles too. We talked about some things before the podcast, just how to do this too, you know, um, but the first objection and I'll just, maybe we can role play, role play for people. um, So you can kind of is that okay? Is that all right? If we do it that way, so I think I yeah. think it might be useful for people. Well, um, and the
1: first thing, like, let's lay a foundation for kind of handling any objection, yes, like please. not just the specific ones. Because yes, of course, we can give everybody a line for each yes. objection that you get. However, okay. if you don't really understand as a salesperson what an objection really is, where it's coming from, and how to handle it on a fundamental level, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have trouble just connecting with customers, and so. Mm. The first thing is, uh, to me, an objection is really your customer's answer in this moment based on the limited information that they have. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if they have all the information, like think about if you're selling a storm damage droop, it's a no brainer, right? By all intents and purposes, it's like you have damage, it's covered by your insurance, all you have to pay is your deductible, it should be a slam dunk. But if somebody's giving you an objection to that process, it's because They don't have all the information yet. Mm. And so they're giving you an answer based on the little information they have. It's like dating. If you just Mm. walk up to a chick in a bar and you just ask her for a number out of the blue with zero context and zero rapport, she's gonna say no, right? Mm -hmm. But that's no, that's her answer based on the limited information you've provided her about. Are you a nice guy? Are you gonna be a good time? What are your intentions, right? Mm -hmm. So objection handling is gonna be the same.
0: Mm. I love that. So, the first objection we've got is, I need to talk to my spouse. Yeah. So a lot of times, is I need to talk to my husband, for me it would be I need to talk to my wife. Right. So what do you do in that situation?
1: So the first thing, this is actually, uh, it brings up a great point. What's the best time to handle an objection? Do you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's before it ever comes up. Okay. So if you've gotten to a point where you've sat down with a customer. And you are trying to get a deal signed, and the spouse isn't there. When did you make the mistake? Mm. At the time you set up the appointment, yes. right? So, yep. so there's two different things. I'm going to tell you how to handle it at the beginning. I'm going to tell you how to handle it on the spot if you're a roof mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing is when you're setting up that inspection time, say, hey, you know, something I used to just say is like, hey, is there a, a Mr. or Mrs. You know? And they're like, oh, yeah, blah. Well, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, usually. I, with storm damage and insurance lingo and stuff like that i like to just have both people there that way you don't have to worry about trying to remember like insurance jargon and stuff like that and communicate it to the other person so when's a good time for both of you to be there would four thirty or five thirty on thursday work better for you both right so i'm mm-hmm. ensuring that they're going to be there in the first place now yeah. let's say that maybe you've even done that and then you show up and one of the one of the decision makers isn't there i used to just do the inspection I'd take the pictures, get the stuff together. I'd come down, knock on the door and say, hey, Mr. Jones, um, so I did find some damage up there. I've got some pictures and stuff like that. I noticed Jeff isn't here yet. Um, when would be a good time to come back and I'll sit down with you both and just go over th- everything? Because I'm going to be in the neighborhood all the rest of today, all the rest of the day tomorrow because I have so many inspections that I have to get done. I need to take pictures and measurements, blah, blah, blah. Would 6.30 work better tonight or do you want me to stop by tomorrow at like 4? Right. So then you can, instead of like going through the whole presentation and then wasting 45 minutes and hitting that objection, get it out of the way, like plan Mm -hmm. a new time to come and go through everything. So you're not having to go through the entire presentation twice.
0: Mm, That's great. I love it. All right. So next one, let's do a role play on this one. So, all right, I'm interested, but can you just leave me a bid or us a bid um somebody told me and I, i'm sorry if this is annoying but somebody told me it, i need to get three bids is is uh, it all right if we just leave me the bid
1: the old magic bids so mr jones here's the deal with insurance claims this is how it used to be right like you would and i totally understand what you asked me for that in fact mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me for for the mm-hmm. bid thing but if this was a retail job like if you called me out of the blue and said hey I wanna get a new roof. There's a couple different companies out here and I just wanna see what the price is. I don't wanna get ripped off. Obviously it would make sense for me to leave you a bid and we all have a price per square and stuff like that. With insurance claims, however, it's kind of a different ball game nowadays because what the insurance company used to do is when you had damage on your house, they would say, okay, go ahead and get three bids and you turn them into us and then guess which one they would pick?
0: The, the lowest, lowest one. End. yeah."
1: Right, because State Farm would like, they'd rather pay $0 out on the claim, but if they get mm-hmm. a 10,000, 11,000, 12,000 bid, they obviously are going to pay for the $10,000 bid, okay? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, customers didn't like that and they didn't like to be forced to be getting budget mm. from the contractors, right? Like they're not getting the contractor that they wanted. They're not getting the materials that they wanted, things like that. They're, so insurance companies changed changes up how they did it. And now what they do is they use a software called Xactimate. Mm-hmm. And Xactimate is a database that has, by zip code, prices and materials, fair market price value in this software. And that's all they use. So even if I were to write you a bid and send it in, they don't care. (laughs) And they'll never pay my bid because our price per square for retail is considerably higher than whatever insurance pays because insurance, again, wants to pay as close to $0 as they can because they're a business and businesses are in business Hmm. to make money, right? Yeah. So, Mr. Jones, what I'm going to do is when your adjuster comes, I am going to bring a bid, but it's not really a bid. It's a line-by-line estimate that has all of your materials and labor itemized, and the adjuster is going to do the same thing, and they use the same software, right? So, if your adjuster has the same line items as I do, our price should be exactly the same, and if it's not, we have to figure out why. Does that make sense? So it's mm-hmm. a waste of time for me to give you a bid, but I am gonna show up with an exact line item, all right? Mm-hmm.
0: I like that because you're validating them and you're, you're talking about that earlier, just making sure that they feel heard and right. then moving to the, the it, I kind of like the idea of like saying like, that's how it used to be kind of thing, like, but now we're doing this. So you're, right. you're basically making them feel like they're not an idiot, exactly. even though you're asking for them to move forward in a different direction.
1: Right. And you know, uh, something of a little visual that I came up with several months ago and I was like, people might think it's weird, but I love it. You have to think of an objection like an egg and we have to keep the egg intact. And if somebody throws you an objection or an egg, if mm. you just like stop and disagree, you break the egg. It's ruined, right? Mm. If you try to avoid it, the egg is going to fall back there and break. It's not your work. Yep. So how, how do you receive the egg? Well, you have to like cradle it and accept it. And then you hand back. And the same is true with the objection, right? It's like you don't want to make them feel dumb or that you're arguing with them. It's just like, hey, I totally get why you'd feel that.
0: All right. I like we're going (laughs) to objection three here. I I love that by the way. And I'm definitely going to be thinking about that for a while. Um, three. I'd like to talk to my so I'm gonna pretend to be this person. I'd like to talk to my insurance agent. Um, I to be honest, I really like them.
1: That's great.
0: and I, I don't, I like, here's the deal. I just don't want my rates to go up. I definitely would like a new, I'd love to get new roof, but I, I just don't want to pay more in insurance basically.
1: Tim, I completely understand why you'd feel that way. You know, my parents have had their same, their same insurance agent for like 15 years. He still sends them a fruitcake every Christmas that they do not eat, great guy. But you know, what they found was when you pay for an insurance premium every single year, It's not like you're, that's what insurance is for, right? When an emergency Mm. takes place, that makes makes sure that your house is covered. And you have to look at it like, you've been stocking away thousands of dollars a year for however many years into kind of like your rainy day fund for Mm. if something is to happen. So really what insurance is doing is they're just basically kind of giving you back money that you've given them that hasn't had to be used when you actually need to use it in a case like now where you know your roof has been pretty damaged by hail and mm-hmm. everybody let, hopefully you do like your agent right but yeah. business is business you know you're not asking them to pay for it yeah. out of their own pocket i think state farm profits like 50 billion dollars a year or something crazy like that yeah. so <laughs> and as far, as far as rates going up there's a difference between acts of god and like something that you're liable for here's an example mm-hmm if you were to wreck your Subaru because you were texting and driving, your rates are definitely going to go up as an individual because now they consider you a higher risk driver. You made a mistake, right? But did you really make a mistake by deciding to live at this latitude and longitude where unbeknownst to you, a big hailstorm was going to come and drop, you know, baseball-sized hailstones on your roof and damage your roof? Of course not. And so as acts of God, your rates are actually probably going to see an increase whether you file a claim or not, because mm-hmm. everybody in this area is going to get a slight raise just because of the influx of claims that are coming along mm-hmm. right from the okay. So they're not going to single you out for it. Um, but I always make a joke with customers and say, look, if your rates are going to go up either way, you might as well get a free roof out of it. Yeah. Right.
0: I like that. That's a good, I like the, the old, uh, insurance company profit close there i like the
1: <laughs> i did
0: i did that move i like that move yeah yeah
1: they make a lot of money
0: i was just talking on some comments this morning on facebook i was just like i really wish i could be a, a risk wish i could go look at the the internal dynamics of these insurance companies and just i wish i could see how they really talk about this well right. we we all have our i mean i'm i'm tainted i obviously am rooting for the roofing companies who are finding legitimate damage and yeah anyways um but i'm curious though because maybe they're not as bad as we think sometimes i don't know who knows
1: i can't remember now i need to look it up i almost want to just hop on google really fast and look but look at like a year like hurricane katrina Mm -hmm. and see how much money state farm all state profited even on a year like that where there was total like just dist- entire homes yep. thousands and thousands and thousands completely demolished and they still profit like it's de- I, I can't yeah. remember the figures so i don't want to spitball but you should look it up whoever's listening just look up the year whatever hurricane yeah. Katrina was do you remember what year that was it was a uh-uh. while ago. It
0: was yeah it's been a while but look at like 2007 or something like that
1: geez yeah i know it was a long time ago but look yeah. at what the profit margin was and they'll be like
0: mm. <laughs> what? yeah yeah i'm very very curious i just i gotta know i gotta learn more about these people um anyways all right next objection okay i'm interested in this roof i'm curious i know some people in this industry in this business i'm just curious will you eat my deduct like would you i don't think they'd say eat <laughs> um would you would you guys be open to paying my deductible
1: so tim as much as i would love to be able to do that and put a thousand bucks in your pocket here's how the deductible works so what happens is your insurance company and you have a policy which is basically a contract right and what the deductible is is they say anything above and beyond your deductible amount we will pay for in the case of a loss right so here's what happens what they used to do And I literally write it out like this. This is the most valuable thing a roofer can take away from doing their their storm restoration uh, presentations. What they used to do is they would say, "Okay, you've got damage. All right. We agree. And you let's say it's going to cost $10,000 to fix. Let's just make it easy numbers. And you've got a thousand dollar deductible. And I know this is probably backwards, but what can you do? So what the insurance companies used to do is say, okay, well, that means we owe you $9,000 because you're responsible for your deductible. And so $10,000 is what's gonna fix your house. And they'd write one big check for $9,000 and say, here you go, go fix your roof. Unfortunately, what do you think some people did with one big fat check for $9,000? Any guesses? Drugs. So much cocaine that (laughs) even Charlie Sheen was honestly astounded and or Harley Davidson, big vacation, go to Vegas, new boobs, yeah. whatever, right? Or they would find two chucks in a truck that comes by and goes, well, we'll do it for $7,000. Mm. and shh, You don't have to pay your deductible and then you can pocket 2000, we don't care. Well, insurance companies got kind of tired of paying for people to not get their roof done. So they started doing it differently. Same $10,000 claim, same deductible, that's still the part you're responsible for, okay? same $9,000 that they're willing to pay out. However, they'll do something new. One, they put the mortgage company on the checks because the mortgage company is technically like the owner in the home and has the interest in the home. Okay. So they have to sign off on it because let's just say, God forbid, this home ever went into foreclosure. They don't want to have a home that they need to resell that also has hail damage on the roof siding, and gutters and all this stuff. Okay. So what they do is they give you check number one, That's called the actual cash value, the ACV. You're going to see this on your paperwork when it comes. Mm. And this is like how to calculate. This is basically like roughly what your house is worth. The actual cash value of the roof right now with the damage, with the age and and wear and tear, all that stuff, they're going to give you that check and go, go get started, get a contractor, get your materials, put your deposit down, whatever they're going to hold on to the rest, the 3000 here called depreciation. Now. This isn't like a car, okay? If you had a Honda Civic that was 10 years old, you're just never gonna see that money again, right? They're not gonna give you that money back. But on a, a homeowner's policy, this is called recoverable depreciation, but they're not gonna give you this until the work is done. Hmm. So here's the deductible thing, okay? We're gonna tie this all together. So let's just say that at the end, I ate your deductible, which really doesn't even make sense, okay? Well, basically the only way that I could do that is if I send in paperwork that is false, that says I charged you $10,000 when I only charged you nine, because if I send in an invoice for $9,000, right? If I don't, if they said it was supposed to be 10 and I only charged you nine because I so-called eight-year deductible, it'd be $9,000, correct? You following mm-hmm. me here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So if I send this $9,000 invoice into your insurance company and I tell the truth, Here's what they're going to say. Oh, well, we already paid you $6,000 up front. You're responsible for your deductible. So that's 7,000. They're going to send you $2,000 of the depreciation and they're going to hold on to the other thousand and Mm. say, thank you very much. You're our new favorite customer. Thank you for saving us a thousand dollars to add to our $50 billion in profit this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I'm getting at here is the only way that it is possible for me to get away with eating a deductible is sending in fraudulent paperwork, committing insurance fraud to your insurance company. And mm-hmm. you and I are both liable for that. I don't think I like jail food. I'm mm-hmm. pretty spoiled. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay? That's good.
0: I didn't actually realize that that's basically insurance fraud. It is exactly insurance fraud. Gotcha. <laughs> it's-
1: Cause you're sending in a false invoice. You're lying hmm. to the insurance company and saying, oh yeah, we charge 10, but you only charge nine so that the insurance company pays for something that they didn't actually owe for.
0: I got to tell my, I got to tell my friend who owns that, that other roofing company. Now, um, okay. None of, none of our clients do that. I was just still in the role play. All right.
1: A lot of people still do because here's the thing, Tim. Yeah. It's a really competitive market. Yes. And a lot of roofers think that the only reason that people sign with them is price because they're not good salespeople. They're not good at communicating their value, building their value. They're not confident enough and convicted in the value that they're offering to explain that process that I just did. Mm. I've never once had to eat a deductible. Mm. And I've sold millions of dollars in roofs. And I have so many testimonials of my clients who will send me emails and stuff and say, I can't believe it. Like I'm in San Antonio, Texas or Houston, Texas. Texas is like the state where if you don't eat deductibles, you can't compete. That's what everybody thinks. And they're like, this works because mm-hmm. you're actually get what most roofers do is they're just like, well, that's, that's insurance fraud and we're not going to do it. Well, yeah. guess what? Speeding is against the law too, but we all do it. Right. Yeah. So you have to explain to them this way, like yes. show them where like, yes. there's why don't use it.
0: Don't know. use the against the law thing as much. Do Yeah. Give them the reason why they wouldn't want that to be the case either.
1: Right, Cocaine's against the law too, but we've all had a night in
0: Vegas. (laughs) Yes. All right. Let's get to the next one here. I don't actually think I have damage.
1: So, Mr. Brown, I completely understand why you'd feel that way. And honestly, you might be right. There might not be damage. But have you had like a storm restoration expert up on the roof yet?
0: I have kind of looked up there i mean i didn't get up there but i did look and i don't really see any issues
1: and with the steepness of your roof i really wouldn't recommend getting up there you know it's not worth like your spine or your hip or anything like that Mm -hmm. so here's the deal when a storm hits your roof like this if it was like a tornado or a hurricane it'd be pretty obvious right like you would have shingles missing sticking up there'd be shingles in the yard there'd be debris But hail damage is not quite as obvious as wind damage, okay? Mm -hmm. Because here's what happens. You have asphalt shingles up there and basically they're made of that thin layer of asphalt that's covered in the granules. And the granules are the part that, they really serve two purposes. One, give it color, make it pretty. And two, it protects that asphalt from being exposed to the sun. So when hailstones come down and hit your roof, here's what happens. They come down and they leave an impact, okay? Because it's falling from like 30,000 feet in the sky, they're balls of ice they come down, they hit the roof, they bounce off. So unless you're gonna have like bowling ball sized hail, which they sometimes get, it's not gonna blow a hole through the, your roof or your decking. You're not gonna be getting leaks and stuff today, tomorrow, next week, or even next month in mm-hmm. most cases, but it leaves these bruises all over the shingles. And it's just like, if you were to punch me in the arm, please don't for this demonstration. <laughs> <but> <laughs> if you were to punch me in the arm right now, nothing would be there, right? If I went and told the police, he punched me, they'd be like, yeah, okay. But tomorrow or the next day or the day after, what's going to be there? Mm -hmm. Big blue bruise is going to start to show up, okay? But it's not right away. So shingles are the same way. Stuff hits your roof and eventually it knocks those granules loose. And after you get sun, wind, rain, sleet, snow, heating, cooling, heating, cooling, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, eventually they start to wash away. Well, now every single place that a hailstone hit your roof, this might take six months or a year, but now you've got all this exposed asphalt. You ever seen an asphalt driveway? People redo those like once every two years, right? And those are like this thick. It's mm-hmm. cause the sun just chews it up. Yep. So now that those granules are gone, you've got these spots where you've got this much asphalt showing through. Now you can see where damage starts to actually show up, right?
0: So yeah.
1: it's pretty normal that as a homeowner, you might just look up at the roof, look at your ceiling and go, well, I don't really see any stains. And you just assume that there's no damage. And like I said, you might be right. You might have nothing to worry about. What my customers find is it's better safe than sorry. It takes 15 minutes to do an inspection. Here's what I promise. I'm not gonna tell you that you have damage if you don't because it is an enormous waste of my time. I'm not a roof salesman. I do insurance claims. So if I hop up there and there's literally no damage, I'm gonna come down and say, hey, Good news for you, bad news for me. There's nothing really up there, but hey, here's my card. Call me the next time you have a hailstorm. We'll check you out again, right? So good job. It takes that's 15 that's minutes.
0: killer. That's yeah. I love that. I I think it's funny. A lot of roofers I've seen don't understand. I like think of me as just a dumb homeowner, or just basically I don't have the context, and they yeah. don't. I don't think they sometimes explain this basic simple things like the granules coming off and the sun damage to the asphalt. Like they don't explain it. Cause they think every, I think we think everybody knows. Right. And people don't know shit. Like we, I, I never knew that. And it took me, to be honest, it took me a year or two of like working with roofers to even understand why that mattered that the granule yeah. loss at all. Like I didn't under, so it's just like basically explaining through the basic mechanics of it without them, I just, I think that that's really important to do the basics with them to help them understand. That. Cause basically like, I think a lot of roofers just think we all know that.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. it's like the, it, it's the same type of concept of when I talk to the roofers about like training new guys, they forget that like they've been doing this for two, yeah. five, 10, 15 years. And then when they bring new people on they're leaving out such critical fundamental facts and education. Because mm-hmm. they just like, to them, they're already, I use this basketball analogy. I say, look, you guys are like LeBron James making half court shots to win the championship game with a second on the clock. These guys are like, they've never dribbled a basketball before. Mm-hmm. So you can't be like, just do what I do. Like, yeah. no, they don't even know. They're like still picking their nose on the yeah. sidelines. Like they don't know what to do. Yeah.
0: And, and you I'm can, so yeah and you can sell some stuff still picking your nose that's the interesting thing like early sales guys and it confuses i think it confuses roofing sales managers and roofing business owners because they're like well they're closing some deals you know it's like it's not like it's nothing sometimes it's just like they could be doing so much more
1: and this also goes back to just one more, more point i'd like to make the Remember when I said handling objection, when a customer gives you an objection, what they're really doing is giving you their answer based on the limited information they currently have. When you told me I don't have any damage, that was your truth in the moment because you Mm -hmm. didn't have all this other information. So a good salesperson is going to be, basically what I'm doing is I'm giving you the information that you don't yet have so that you can make a new decision based on your new level of understanding. Mm, That's good. So it's like, Hey, I totally get why you think that. In fact, most people would think that because, but then I'm giving you real facts and now it's like, let's reassess and make a new decision moving forward. Mm. Right.
0: It's just a really good way to think about sales in general. I mean, this applies to our business too. So I'm thinking, okay. Um, this next one, I'm going to, i'm sending my your notes that you gave me before in the chat just a refresher for the things you said here but i this last this second to last one you said you don't necessarily always have like a so we're not going to role play it because you said there's not really a, a big solution like we're not going to all of a sudden break through this one but it's we just want to think about it right and how do you how do you respond in that moment and can you talk through some of the other principles at least Um, around the way you're hearing objections and stuff.
1: So we talked about this a little bit earlier. And I said, you know, there's there's one or two that I think stumps pretty much everybody most of the time because there is no magic bullet for it. And that's like the either the I'm just not interested (laughs) is one of them. And then the, okay, well, let me think about it. Like the skeptical person. And the truth is if somebody tells you like there's a one size fits all to, to answer that, that's just BS. Like there is no one size fits all. But if i have up to this point, if somebody says, let me think about it, it's because we've gone through some steps here already, right? Like th- mm-hmm. that's not when you're going to get right off the bat. You've already laid a foundation. You've discussed some information about whatever it is that's going on. You've asked some questions. You've probably even handled a couple objections up until this point. So at this point, I would probably try to dig a little bit deeper. Like, OK, what is it that they want to think about, right? So I would say, Tim, I get that. like. Anytime you're in a position where it's like something feels, you know, could be salesy or I'm like, well, I don't really totally get what's going on here. Or I don't want to be on the hook for something that I don't totally understand. I get it. I like to just be able to chew, digest, maybe do a Google search on this person, make sure they're real. But let me first ask you a question. Do you understand, like, did I do a good job explaining the process of like how the insurance claim works and how, what hail damage is and why it's better to kind of get on it sooner versus later? Yes. Okay. So you get like, it's basically a no brainer. If you have damage up there, insurance will pay for it. And if they agree that they're, you know, that they're going to pay for it, then all you're on the hook for is your deductible, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Because it's like 99% off. Yes. So let's say we went through all the way through that process. What else is there that maybe makes you feel a little bit hesitant? Is there anything else you have questions about right now?
0: Just want to look up your guys' Google reviews and I don't know, like, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm dealing with a reputable company. You seem awesome, but I just want to make sure that the company like stands behind the work and stuff like that.
1: Tim, I don't blame you one bit. In fact, uh, that's probably one of the most important things that you do. And honestly, if you'd done this before I came, if there's any way that you'd known that I was coming, This probably would have saved us this entire 30 minutes conversation because you would have seen all our reviews and been like, this is the person. This is great. I totally get it. I don't eat at a restaurant or stay at a hotel or go to, I don't do anything without looking at Google reviews first because I just want to make sure like do other people think this person's good. So I tell you what, here's my card. Look up our company. You can check our testimonials there. And I tell you what, this is your phone number, right? I'm going to shoot you a couple of referrals, the customers that I've helped right here in the area from this storm and I'd love for you to just take 5 or 10 minutes to talk to one or two of them because I know that they'll be able to kind of calm your fears and talking to another human that's not trying to get you to sign on the dotted line will probably make you feel a lot better, right? Mm. Right? So, it depends. Like, some people are going to try to hard close there, but what what you can't teach is gauging like where the customer is at Mm -hmm. based on as you continue to move the ball down the field because as I go through that car and I'm just spitballing here but I might be talking to someone who stays really like their arms are crossed and they're just Mm -hmm. like not comfortable and if I haven't figured out what the thing is that's kind of making them hung up then I might just have to say, hey, I totally get it. Why don't I stop by tomorrow around the same time when I figure you're home? And hopefully you've had a chance to look it up. And if you do, I can go back up, go over the pictures with you. We can kind of tie up the loose ends and get you moving in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you see them sort of softening up and they just, they have this lingering fear that maybe, you know, they just want to look you up. And then you're like, please look me up. That would have saved us 30 minutes, you know? Now that might have been enough. Because in their head, they might be like, yeah, well, okay, they say all this, but if I look them up and then they're on scamreport.com, if I had gotten nervous when they said that, that would have sent them in another direction, right? Yeah. So my point here is with something like that, that's a non-specific objection, you have to be flexible and aware, like you're paying attention to the customers, their body language. Can I, do I want to put a little more pressure on them to move in this mm-hmm. direction based on how they loosened up when I said this and this? Or are they still kind of like being reserved and I want to say, okay, I'll just stop by tomorrow. No big deal. Right. Or I'm going to call them yeah. tomorrow afternoon.
0: So. But Becca, do you have 10 more minutes? I know that we're at the yeah. end of one. Okay. yes, sir. Um, This is the seventh one. You're okay. I'm going to, I'm going to role play this one. Cause this, this scares the shit out of me. If I was a door knocker, this would be hard. So once again, I just want to say like touche to all of you who do this. I'm like, I wish I had the, freaking nerve and guts. And I think I could get it, but it's, it's hard. Anyways. So you're actually the 10th person to knock our door. And I honestly am kind of hoping that people stop doing this. So I, I'm probably going to put out a sign soon, but yeah, you're the 10th person to knock our door.
1: Listen, I get it. I honestly feel bad knocking on somebody's door in a market like this. And listen, seriously, I hate knocking on people's doors to be with. Honestly, I do. Like, I'm genuinely sorry to bother you, um, but do you know why people are going around knocking on doors?
0: I think that they, I know that there was some storms in the area. I I don't know. Okay. I don't, well, I don't think I need a roof, but yeah.
1: Okay. So people are going around. You feel like people are trying to sell your roof? Do you have 90 seconds? And I promise I'm not gonna try to sell you anything. If you think I am, you can shut the door in my face.
0: 90 seconds all right go okay
1: set your timer all right so the reason there's so much racket going on here in the neighborhood is that storm that you guys had like a week or two ago actually damaged quite a few homes out here and i've been doing free inspections for the neighbors and here's what i've been finding these are pictures of your neighbor's shingles i'm going to just like scroll through right
0: yeah i like the having the shingles photos ready that's good
1: Right. It's like, this is actually Tim and John. I don't know if you know them or if you know the Jeffersons, like three or four Mm -hmm. blocks down. They've got that greenhouse. So these are pictures of the roof. And the reason you got so many people going around is because this is kind of a big deal. Like these roofs are pretty damaged. And the thing is insurance companies actually pay for this damage. Like they'll put a new roof siding gutters, stuff like that on houses. But You don't know if you have enough damage to file a claim until a professional storm restoration expert takes a look at your roof and can tell you what's going on Mm. so i'm not here to sell you anything in fact i'm not a roof salesman i only do insurance claims okay i'm just going around doing free inspections for the neighbors it takes like 15 minutes if i hop up there and i don't see anything i'm going to come right down and say sorry i mean good news for you bad news for me there's nothing for me to do here but you don't have any damage Mm. but if you do have damage just like the jeffersons or like kim and john here that i found I'm going to document it, come down show you what's going on. And then I'll walk you through like what to do with the insurance
0: company. All right. Do you have a ladder?
1: I've got a ladder in my car. You want to hop up there right now?
0: All right. You want to hop
1: on the roof with me? I'll show you what's going on. I don't want to
0: hop on the roof. Is there a way you could take pictures or how do you do that? Would you just like text them to me or something?
1: How about I hop up there and I'll come down in about 10 or 12 minutes. I'll knock on the door again. I'll show you exactly what's going on up there.
0: All right. Um, Yes. Okay. okay. I like it. Okay. So we got a yes. Um, I with
1: yeah. your, your personality too, right? Like just if you can, and I know it's difficult when people are in that mood where they're, they're already answering the door with a little bit yeah. of like, you know, abrasiveness, but if you can connect with them and that's why it takes like patience and try not to be reactive and like really relating to be like, dude, listen, I know I'm like, I, I hate to knock on your door. Like I know I hate it. <laughs> right. And you're genuine about it
0: then they might soften and like, listen to you. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Okay. And I, I like this before we started, you just talked about regulating your state. I think that that would be the hardest part for me if I was door knocking because I like literally get thrown off when people are mean. Oh, I'm, yeah. a sensi- I'm a sensitive person. So like, how do you coach people? Let's, let's end on this. How do you coach people on staying in the zone? When douche over here and Karen over here, throw bullshit at us. Like how do we, how do we cleanse ourselves and get back in it?
1: So this is a great one. So when we talk about regulating your state, everybody's been there, right? I've been there too. And by the way, it just, even to this day, I've been doing sales since I was 19 years old. That's like almost 14 years. I don't know how old I am anymore. 14 years, I think. Right. And even to this day, if I do a sales call with a contractor and they're like, kind of being a dick to me, it'll throw me off sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's different layers. to this. The first thing is as, as a base, you need to have a foundation of conviction of what you're doing is a good thing. Mm. Right. If you don't have that first, it doesn't mm. matter what lines you have or what advice I give your analogies. It ain't going to work for you. You have to feel so confident and like secure that I'm knocking on somebody's door right now because I'm offering them like a really awesome opportunity. If -hmm. you don't have that, you're going to have a hard time. So if you need help, let's just remember the facts here. You're offering a product to people who already need it because a storm messed up their house. Their insurance company is going to pay for it. So they're not even paying for it except for just their deductible. It's like a 98% off deal. Where else are they going to get a deal like that? And hopefully you love yourself and you think and truly believe that them interacting with you is going to be like a fun part of their day because you're fun, Mm. you're entertaining, you're providing a ton of value. Okay, so let's get on to the actual door knocking. Even then, when somebody knocks, you know, answers the door and they're kind of being abrasive or they're rude or they're like rushing you or whatever, the first thing is regulating your state. And when we're doing that in the moment, that means like trying to prevent a physiological response where your heart's beating out of your chest, your mouth's getting really dry, your hands are sweating, and your Mm. ears are getting red. Right. Because once that starts happening, it's kind of like when you're in an argument with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right? And as soon as that starts happening, nothing productive is going to happen. You're going to be, if now it's an argument, right? The same type of thing happens at the door and it's not necessarily an argument, but you start getting in like this flight or flight kind of response and it's very reactive instead of calm. So one thing that really helped me, and I love to share this analogy, I hope that it really helps everybody that's listening, is... If you were, if you could imagine that when you're knocking on these doors, instead of showing up as like a salesperson, you've got your clipboard and your lanyard or your iPad, right? You're like, here's like a sit. Instead of doing that, what would it be like if you were just a big dumb construction worker? And instead of a hailstorm that happened, let's say that a tree fell down on the telephone wires or the electrical wires or something in the neighborhood. And it knocked out power in a bunch of the houses. And you're there to work on the lines until they're fixed. And it might be a couple days before everything's totally back to normal. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you knock on the door, and what you're just doing is like a PSA, it's a public service announcement. And you're saying, Hey, I'm super, to, super sorry to bother you. And you're there with your, you know, hard hat on and your orange vest or whatever. You're like, hey, I'm sorry to bother you here. Um, this big tree fell like two blocks down and it's messed up the power grid in the whole neighborhood. I'm here with you know such and such construction group. We're working on it. And your power might be going in and out for the next like two or three days while you're working on it. But I just want to stop by and see what's going on with yours. Have you noticed anything? And then just apologize. Like, you know, it's we're, we're working on it, but it's going to take a couple of days. So we fix it. How you would have, you would not feel any nerves doing that. Would you? Mm-mm. No, because you, you're just giving them information. Yeah, yeah. What's What's different about giving them that message about something that's relevant that's going on in their neighborhood that you're there to help them with, compared to you're knocking on their door because a hailstorm hit the roof and they might have damage? It's literally the exact same thing. Mm. So if it helps, I've had clients literally put on like a reflective neon yellow vest while they knock because it helps them get in that space. And it also helps the way that they're received at the door.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So apply that mindset. That's the first thing. And then the other thing is when you reach an objection, how to de-escalate it. The first thing you want to do is just agree with whatever they said. It doesn't matter if it's absolutely outlanded. They might say like, well, you look like you're probably an alien and uh, I, don't, I don't try, I'm a real paranoid guy and I just don't trust you. And I'd be like, dude, I get it, I agree. I have like a ha. large head yeah. for my body size yeah. and I'm very pale. I do yes. sort of look like I came out of the X-Files I get it, right? Like, it doesn't matter what they say. The first thing you want to do is just agree. Be like, hey, validate their concern. Make them feel understood. Like, Mm. I get why you think that, Mr. Jones. And honestly, it's a valid concern because this, this, and this. However, you know what? You're not the first customer that's worried about that. And here's what my customers have found after they work with me and this and this and this happens. Blah, blah. blah. So you go through like third-party stories, okay? But that just helps them feel like, okay, like, They're listening, they listened to my concern, they validated it, I feel understood now, and then they gave me the new information that's gonna help me make a more educated decision and hopefully get to a yes.
0: Nice. All right, Becca, what's your top marketing tip when a storm or hail hits?
1: You know, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but door knocking is like the fastest thing that you can do, and it's the most effective thing that you can do for a number of reasons. One, I've mentioned this on a couple other videos before, but when there's that much chaos going on, everybody's leaving door hangers, everybody's putting, you know, business cards and doors and things like that. And what it can't do is handle objections, right? Like if somebody picks up your door hanger or, and they all look the same, right? They have lightning bolts and a picture of your truck. And they say like, free inspection, like, uh, uh, you, you know, get insurance covered. See if you qualify for insurance, you know, coverage or blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, it's just noise to everybody. It's like, it's just, just junk mail. And if they look at that, let's say they even take the time to read it. What if they think, uh, I don't think we have any damage. Who's there to answer it? Who's there to do what we just did a few minutes ago and go through what hail damage is actually like and how you can't tell mm-hmm. if you have damage from the ground. And even if you're on the roof, if you don't have a trained eye for it, right? What if they say, well, I think I'd rather just talk to my insurance company or, you know, there's just so many things that a piece of paper just cannot answer. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to just go out and talk to people and farm a neighborhood, this is one of the best ways for you to generate leads right now, a multi-touch marketing method could be great. Maybe you leave a mailer that has your face on it. It's like, Hey, (laughs) I'm sure you're getting bombarded with, with, you know, roofing marketing and stuff like that right now. I'm going to physically be in your neighborhood from this day to this date. If you see my face, wave me down, you know, I'm going to be providing like free that. inspections for the neighbors. Okay. But it has like your face on it or like a picture of your truck or maybe, you know, so that's a great thing to do. Um, and then maximize your referrals. That's the other thing. Door knocking sucks. Everybody knows it. It's highly competitive. Customers don't love having salespeople knock on their door, but it's just an unnecessary evil. Right. So If you go out and you get into a neighborhood and you get just a handful of appointments, and then you just start using a really great referral pitch, which everybody can look up my referral pitch. I've got the short free one on YouTube uh, on there for sure. You can look that up. But Then you start getting two referrals from each customer you have, and then you get two referrals from them, and then two referrals from them. A, it's free. B, it's a warm lead. It's like a shoe-in. And Mm then you can get out of the doors.
0: Yeah. So question, I mean, just to give a little bit more like urging on that, like I have customers, like people believe in Google too, right? Like we're heavy on Google and stuff like that. But at the same time, if I was a roofing company, I would also be door knocking. So I'm a big both guy and all guy, to be honest. But um, for those people that are just stuck in marketing mode and referral, just stuck in referral mode, like how do you get those people when they're like, I want to go from two to five. And you're like, well, part of that is door knocking. Part of that is social media. Part of that is everything. Like do all of it. How do you get those people to move and actually get them out of this mode of I'm stuck in, I'm only going to be marketing guy.
1: Right? Well, the first thing is look at where you are be honest. Like, okay, I've just been doing the online marketing and I'm not where i want to week. I'm still at 2 million or I'm only at 2 million or whatever, whatever, whatever it is that you're at. Right. What do they call the definite? They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting mm-hmm. different results. So first be honest, like, okay, if it's working for you and you're like, we don't have to touch any doors and we just get tons of inbound leads, then stick with that. But if it's not working for you, you know, the, the path to success usually involves more than one element, for example, yes. fitness. Okay. It's, if you're going hard in the gym, but your diet is dog shit, yes. sorry, but you're going to be fat. Like mm. there's no way to outwork a bad diet. Okay. Like it. And then same thing, you might be like dieting really hard, but you're not getting the body that you want because you're not, you're not weightlifting and not getting the body composition built up. So it takes both parts, right? Mm. It takes proper sleep and blah, 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 and enough water and the right diet and the right exercise. Plan. So as far as when it comes to scaling your business, you've got, you have to attack it from all these different angles. If we're just talking about leads, it's you have, of course, an online presence is important. The first thing we all do, we're all on our phones 24/7, 365, right? And we're gonna look up companies and make sure that they're not scam artists. They have good reviews or whatever, but getting people in the field is absolutely critical in my opinion to just building a presence and then owning a neighborhood and branding right like they see you all the time they see you out there with your their truck and they see you on neighbors roofs and they're like okay well my other neighbors are having them over so this bandwagon effect kicks in mm-hmm. okay so if you're somebody that is kind of attached to the stigma of like oh we do we don't we're not the type of roofer that does door knocking what does that really mean because mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of people a disservice because most people are not going to, especially in a storm situation, they're not Mm going to get on Google and look up a roofer. They only do that in a retail situation when the roof is old or there's such obvious damage that they know they have something wrong. But if you guys are in the hail business, you know, 90% of the time hail damage is not obvious. It's not like people are like, oh, there's a hole blown in my roof. I need to call a roofer. So if you're relying on the internet for that, you're missing a large chunk of customers that need you physically to show up on their doorstep, whether they like it or not, and have a conversation where you educate them, handle their objections, and actually physically get on and look at the roof. So Mm. don't be against it. I think, Tim, a lot of people are just not good at door knocking and it makes them really nervous. And so and they just think, well, everybody hates it. So they just write it off entirely. But these huge companies that do like 20, 30, 40 million They've got an army of canvassers deployed Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood as 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 when first hailstone hits.
0: Yep. That's a very good point. Okay. So my next section is talking about answering the phone. So a couple of the first questions are like, how quick, how quick should you answer the phone? So actually let's do rapid fire on this. And then I'm going to edit it down. So how quick should, should a roofing company answer the phone? ASAP. Yeah.
1: Answer right away. Like if I'm trying to, if I'm in that moment, I'm finally with my busy day as a homeowner trying to call the plumber and the plumber doesn't answer. Guess what I do? I call the next cl- plumber on the mm. list right yep. after because I'm trying to get it resolved right then.
0: What should be the tone and the demeanor for people handling the phones for your roofing company?
1: I honestly think, I mean, you want to be professional, but in a way that's personable. Like, hey, you know, it's at it's ABC Roofing. How can I help you today? And they're like, hi, blah, blah, blah. And I had a story. I'm like, cool, absolutely. Well, we can help you with that. Can I get your name? Oh, that's Tina. I'm like, Tina, nice to hear from you. I'm glad you gave us a call. We're happy to help you out. You know, it's like, you want to be happy that they called, but get to the point and you want to control the conversation to make sure Mm -hmm. you're getting the appointment and you're not sitting there getting stuck into a long story that is irrelevant until you show up at the house.
0: Mm. Agreed. How do you extract the right information and how long should you have them on the phone?
1: So we were talking about the concept of like, you want to treat phone calls like you treat an interview. Like if you're running an interview for hiring somebody for your company and they're the ones asking all the questions, you've lost control of the conversation. A, B, they're now interviewing you. And this is probably going to go on for 40 or 50 or 60 minutes. And you just don't have time for that. So we're not trying to get people off the phone, but when it comes to running a business and your phone's ringing a lot and you have other stuff to do, you wanna make sure that you're controlling the conversation. So what you can do with something like that is, you know, you're like, Hey, so what's going on? You know, just give me a a brief understanding of what's going on. And they're like, Oh, well, this is happening, blah, blah. And it's like, cool. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. And then what the process is, is I'm going to set up a time to come out and look, because there's not a lot, whole lot we can do with speculating with, you know, just talking about it over the phone. I really would like Mm -hmm. to get my hands and eyes on it myself. So how long has it been happening? You know, whatever it is. Maybe they're calling you about a leak. It's like, how long has the leak been happening? You said it's on the ceiling. So try to get them to do like more yes and no questions. You repeat mm-hmm. back what they're saying. Yep. Say blah, 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 blah. Okay. And have you had anybody look at it yet? I'll be the first one. All right. So I'm going to pop over at this time. Does that work for you? Yes. Okay. And when I get there, any other questions you have, just write down a piece of paper here so you don't forget. And when I show up, we can cover when I get
0: there. Mm.
1: Like that's a really easy way yep. to do it.
0: What do you think about like length of a call like what's your ideal length are you trying to make it longer to get familiarity or are you trying to keep it somewhat tight
1: so this depends on the context of the situation right like is this just an inbound call where somebody wants to say it's an
0: inbound yeah like inbound lead
1: and they just want you to come and maybe look at their roof or maybe they have yes. something like that yeah. Yeah. i mean the phone call really doesn't have to be what you you want it to be long enough that they feel like you listened to them and you're not just like trying to show up to sell them something, right? Like, mm-hmm. but that can be done in five minutes, yeah. you know? And if they have a lot of questions, then, and it seems like, okay, this is going on and on. Say, Mrs. Jones, you've got some really great questions and I'm glad that you're that tuned into what's going mm-hmm. on because a lot of people just have no idea. But I tell you what, this will be a lot more productive to kind of discuss when I get there, when I can see it myself. Because right yeah. now I'm just kind of, guessing and like kind of trying to picture what you've shown me so is it cool if when we meet you know to later today or tomorrow at 4 30 we can kind of go over all these questions when I'm there in person so I can take a look at Mm -hmm. it and give you a bet my best answer right and Mm -hmm. they're like oh yeah okay you know so it's up to you I mean how much time do you have but it really comes down to what's the goal of the conversation are you just trying to get an appointment time set are you trying to answer all of their questions before you get there. For some reason, most people are not necessarily yep. trying to do that, but you know, a five to 10 minute phone call is probably enough in most situations to just answer an inbound lead and get an appointment time set up. To
0: go there. I'm just of that mind that like, you want to get it to the next thing. You don't want to stay on the one thing for too long, but that's my take. But um, right. I like that, man, you really given so much good stuff on this. Thank, Thank you for doing that. So how, um, if somebody was trying to get started with you guys, if they wanted more sales training for themselves or for their team, what would be the next step?
1: So please visit www.roofsalesmastery.com. That's where you can look at all my programs. I have six different turnkey trainings and systems for business owners, salespeople, and supplementers. So whether you're looking for a recruiting system or like sales training for your guys or supplement exactly training, it's all there. Um, you can check out my YouTube channel. That's where I have like my free videos, just Roof Sales Mastery. I'm on Instagram at Roof Sales Mastery. And you can always email me if you'd like, Becca, B-E-C-C-A at roof RoofSalesMastery.com as well. And I will get back to you ASAP.
0: So, so many of the people in the roofing Facebook groups are always like referring you out and they're like, she's the best and this type of stuff, how have you, why, why do people believe in your service? Like why, I know you've probably helped change lives and stuff like that, but in comparison with some of these other options out there, not to like negatively, I think they're all, I like all these people. So why do people decide to move forward with your thing in comparison with some of these other options out there? I think
1: there's a couple reasons. One, you know, I've been doing this since 2014 and the testimonials, the results-based testimonials that my clients leave, like I have Hundreds of reviews that aren't just like great program, <laughs> you know, five stars. It's like pager texts like this long where they explain, I started with six salespeople and now I have 30 salespeople in eight months, or I went from $2 million to $6 million in one year, or my average supplement jumped from $1,500 to $5,200 this year, falling back of stuff. So I think it's just the proof in the pudding, like real humans that are using the programs that are sharing their results. I mean, that's huge. And big thank you to everybody who takes time to leave a review because that makes it helps my business so much. Yeah. But I think I also put out so much free content that is not just like short little snippets. Like I give away so much of my stuff for free Mm -hmm. on YouTube that it helps people know that what they're buying they're not afraid to spend that price tag and invest in their businesses because they know like if this is what she gives away for free like i can't even imagine how good the paid content Mm -hmm. is like that's feedback that i get a lot and i think you know the feedback i've received one of the things i hear a lot is uh, the way that i put my training together whether it's my videos or my my written lessons i've taken what sometimes complex concepts for people understand whether it's the supplementing or closing or objection handling or whatever And I've dumbed it down in a way that makes it really easy for people to actually understand and then use. And I think that's huge.
0: Yeah, for sure. Trying to figure out how to get your people to use stuff. You know, like it's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much um, for being on. And um, the podcast is put on by Hook Agency, Hook Agency, all over social. And thank you guys for watching and listening. All right, bye. See
1: you.